0: Good morning, Mike Zeke. This is The Commute. (laughs) It would be funny if you could do a whole stomp intro song with just uh, car driving noises. Anyways, uh, my wife is back in town. She was away on business, and that feels good. Uh, This morning, I... uh, you know, I wrote I wrote a thing recently on the internet, and I don't like self-promotion. Uh, so I posted it to Reddit Internet Strangers and got a positive response. And I still didn't want to promote it among my friends. So I think there's a... I think there's an interesting, as I say ten times a podcast. Uh, the anonymity of the internet is obviously a double-edged sword. You, But both swords both sides of the sword are terrible. Where people are way more free and open to be jerks, uh, but then when your anonymity is removed, you're still so caught up in getting those likes and positive encouragement that you're nervous about your people you actually know not seeing it or someone seeing it before it has 20 likes and it's like, oh, well, I'm not gonna like this because no one else has liked it or all these little etiquette rules of not liking your own posts or sharing it, or I don't know. Um, I was reading about the anonymity on the internet and people being jerks. uh, People will more actively defend a third party than themselves if they feel like someone else is being hurt by the rule-breaking other than themselves. Which is interesting because, I need a better word than interesting, because it makes some sense from an evolutionary perspective. You want people to know that not only do you stand up for yourself, you stand up for others so that you would be good at protecting others so that you should be the alpha and run the whole tribe. It's also raining here today, if you hear my windshield wipers in the background, and I've got sunglasses on my head, not on my eyes because it's too dark, but... But that's, I think, a little descriptive. I wouldn't have come to that assumption had I not known the results. I think it's trying to make the model fit the reality, Uh, which, frankly, a lot of evolutionary biology might be. There's an, also a new study I saw yesterday that the size of humans was just because it was so advantageous to have bigger brains. So because those genes were on the same strand, because those mutations were on the same gene, I guess, it just so happened that we evolved to be bigger than Neanderthals, taller and wider but it wasn't our brute strength that we needed it was the size of our brains to help us make tools and understand our social structures and work together now that's too fast you know so i want it here but like maybe here um you always think someone's judging you at the speed your windshield wipers are going like if you drive by and they're going real fast and someone driving by you is like man that's too fast you don't need them that fast But no one cares. No one's looking at the speed of my windshield wipers. We're caught up in all these little social things that we are both more social and less social than we have ever been. You used to... Man. I went down a weird rabbit hole there in my head of... when face-to-face interactions were more important. I guess like kabuki tea ceremonies and stuff were all very important as you interact face to face with people and now you can you know put something on twitter that offends thousands of people and it's a major shift in paying attention to little details i think there's such emphasis on these big disruptive changes be the next zuckerberg billionaire bill gates sold a billion things instead of you know you could just be henry ford and only sell hundreds of thousands of cars or you know what just be milton hershey the story of milton hershey is funny because they made these fancy french treats that were chocolate around caramel and milton hershey saw that kids and some adults well, he saw the litter that was just the caramel insides. And he was like, oh, well, if people just want chocolate, I'll start a factory that just makes chocolate. And he did, and people liked it, and he expanded. And that's about all I know about the creator of my hometown. Uh, didn't have kids, so started an orphanage, which became a school, foster home school all this stuff and really expanded and is one of the best schools in Pennsylvania. And uh, we used to joke that, man, I wish I my parents were dead so we could go there. And then there were some kids who only had one parent who were allowed to go. It was a whole thing. Uh, but it was a very good school. What was I talking about beforehand? I don't know, man, none of this matters. I might not even upload this one. Oh, wait, if it's only Zeke listening to it, it doesn't matter. And that's the thing I like about the commute because it's really a practice test for other podcasting, it's okay to fail. And it's okay to fail at everything. I I really don't understand what would be the downside in this being a particularly bad episode. It's not like there's air I need to fill and sponsors I need to keep happy. It's just, yeah, there were a couple interesting points there, but he really rambled on for 10 minutes. Yeah, that's what every episode ends. Me rambling on to myself for ten minutes. Although there is a new app that, and this is genius, and I had the seed of this idea, but the way they do it is amazing. So uh, there may come a day when Michael and I are podcasting together because there's a new app called Ringer where it will record audio on my phone and it will record audio on Zeke's phone and we can have a normal phone call in the meantime, but the quality is combined from our individual recordings so that there's no loss across transmission lines. Because if you can record the digital file in both places and then combine them later, why would you bother trying to com- to record the aggregate of that file? Which is just such a clever idea. And I think stuff like that is... And I think... My... Vocal ticks I think, bother me more than most people, because I think <laughs> I have to listen to myself all the time, and this is very similar to what the inside of my brain sounds like a lot. But I believe there will be more of that in the future as people discover, oh, wait, my toaster has processing power? Well, why don't I set it to, you know, also compute the morning commute so that my phone is free to tell me that my toast is ready. That's a terrible example. But basically, we're just scratching the surface of what all these connected, empowered devices can do. And as they get more and more powerful, I mean, the Raspberry Pi still is incredible. They make versions of that. There was one I saw yesterday that it fits, is the size of a AA battery. So there's a case that's the size of three AA batteries and you flip it around so that it's receiving power from the two actual AA batteries, and that's the whole computer. And it's obviously not gonna run Crysis or anything, but it will do a lot, do more than NASA had to work with, you know what I mean, back in moon landing days. And I think people forget that. I think everyone is so caught up in the, oh, my phone's slowing down, that, underestimate what all your phone is doing and all the fancy animations and slide graphics and running background apps so you can switch between them is a ton of processing power and I don't know anything about processing power or really programming but it is fascinating that we continue to take this for granted as it continues to accelerate Uh, and we don't even have we still have benchmarks but the standard specs we use to measure it as we went from single core to dual core to quad core the hertz cycles of hertz processing cycles became such a terrible way to measure actual efficiency of the computer so it's hard to explain to consumers no your seven-year-old computer isn't worth what you paid for it anymore that always kills me when people see when I see that on Facebook, of like, selling my 2010 MacBook Pro asking $2,500. Are you kidding me? You're an idiot. I just figured the new one, I like the new keyboard. You don't know that your computer is seven years old? Why, you're getting rid of it because it's slow, right? That's not because of all the love and programs you put on it. That's because it's old. And I've gotten in this habit lately of buying cheap tech, which I almost wanted to start like a, I don't know, like one of those crappy minimalist blogs or something, just explaining like you can get amazing tech in the top of the bottom of the barrel. But my phone, for example, just gets the Android updates, but then Android updates really slow it down. So you really are cutting edge, but being the bluntest cutting edge is not, not exactly where you want to be. It's just frustrating on a day-to-day basis, especially if you work in any sort of digital media or tech and you want to open up Twitter and it takes 40 seconds. I don't restart my phone anymore because it has to optimize all my Android apps for like 20 minutes. That's not an exaggeration. I went to a movie, turned my phone back on after the movie, and I was home before it uh, was actually back on. And I think there is a measure of planned obsolescence there. I think companies want you to get these updates so that they can sell you a new phone. And it's a better user experience when all your animations slide flawlessly. But the security updates and the general things that these updates are providing aren't what's slowing your phone down. It's the uh, Open web GL. now you can watch htmi five videos in 4k on your phone it's like did you really need that part of me wants to go back to a flip phone but I know I would miss the internet so so much and then part of me wants to just get a really nice phone and not have a home computer so I also got a at-home laptop because I the last computer I bought for myself was a Chromebook and I got a laptop just so I could play some games on Steam like Age of Empires 2 redone Um, this truck needs to get over so that I can get over, pal, please. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I gotta say, no real complaints. I also got a nice new Surface Pro for work, and it's so new that it has display driver issues. So it's... It... I'm, I am doing a lot more with it and connecting two monitors and running, you know, 40 tabs at a time as I'm cruising the internet and reading stuff and moving files, but for the basic at-home computing and running simple games, that under $200 computer was totally adequate. Yeah, I think there's still something there of last year's tech, and I think there's uh, a wider societal question of, I don't believe in trickle-down economics necessarily, and I think the Panama Papers proves a lot of that. I think a lot of people are upset that the money that should have been reinvested in businesses was just stored offshore so they wouldn't have to pay taxes on it. So, not only was it not reinvested into businesses, it wasn't reinvested into the public infrastructure or anything, but uh, trickle-down technology very clearly happens where... Anyone can get a color TV these days when it used to be the only rich family on the block had one. And I think very vital, useful technologies like internet in some countries is now considered a basic human right. I think life extension and cyborgization and mind uploading consciousness, you know, verification will exist eventually. It's just, will that trickle down to the mass is within a generation, or a year, or a product cycle, which, as everything speeds up as we approach the singularity, is a product cycle six weeks? Who knows? Um, But yeah, there's an argument to be made of training yourself to wait, because there's also bugs and stuff in all the first releases of software. Not that there aren't bugs in last generation's hardware, but man. I don't know. I was just in my stride, but I pulled into work, so I will catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening, Michael. Peace.